I'm looking forward to a good discussion on the headlines with my two guests today. Andrew Ferris, CEO of Cognosis Advisory. Good morning, Andrew. Good morning. And Hebe Chen, Markets Analysis at IG. Good morning, Hebe. Good morning. Great for joining us today. Thank you so much. We, of course, have to start with the outcomes of the summit since it is the top headline. Was it a case of two steps forward and one or even two steps back? I'm thinking particularly of Biden's statement after the summit where he reaffirmed his view that she is a dictator. Uh, what do you think, Hebe? Well, yes, I think honestly, I did, I did expect some of the surprise could occur at some point of time after the meeting, but I did not expect that happened so soon. And um, I don't think it's an accident statement, but if I want to take it from there, I think from the positive note, I do see that Xi Jinping is trying very, very hard to play sort of positively and friendly this time. And they have sent out quite real to see messages like they he said that he will make it easier for foreigners to do business in China and stress the importance of the relationship. So I think if that China is trying to offer an olive branch in the face of its own economy pressure, and these promises could be followed up with real actions, that it will definitely benefit China's weakening economy substantially. But as you point out, that's quite likely happening. It's like two step forward, one step forward and mm. sort of one or even two step backwards. Yes. Um, it sort of highlighted how extensive the journey would be required to fix the tension in between China and US. But you said um, Biden's statement you think was planned rather than a just a mistake or off the cuff remark. Hebe. Well, yes, yeah. I don't think that. Well, I think for the Biden's experience and all his uh, expertise, it's definitely not an accident statement. But I think he's trying to playing a bit of a balance act in the yeah. face of the tension. With US and China, but also he definitely sensed that Xi Jinping this time is trying to be playing peacefully and friendly to fix the relationship in between them. Mm. Well, of course, he is up for an election in under a year, I think. Exactly. Andrew, what do you want to add? I will simply add that I am universally and totally suspicious of face-to-face -face meetings of heads of state, not because there's anything bad or anything uh, surreptitious going on, but I just refuse to believe that in four hours they sorted out hmm. all the things they said they are going to. Mm. Because these things are sorted over months and months of negotiations by their senior civil servants. You know, I would have liked to have been a fly on the wall and listened to what actually was said. But uh, mm. in a sense, I would still be indifferent to that because whatever it was said is going to be turned over by the people that actually ultimately make the decisions and that are civil servants. Very good idea they talk. Okay, and then uh, perhaps President Xi must be keeping in mind that in a year's time he will be talking to Trump and he will be facing a completely different set <laughs> of agenda. Yeah. So all this goes completely out of the window. That's why I say, you know, sometimes you say, why do they bother? And it sounded like you were agreeing with that, Hebe. Well, yes, I think that I'm just saying, I'm just saying there's so many issues that we actually expecting that we'll talk about, but they're not actually talking about that seriously. For example, the Taiwan issue, the Middle East tensions and the U.S. chip restrictions, they all not be mentioned. Um, after the, the meeting. So it looks to me that neither of them is sort of all ready to negotiate or, on all this critical front. 
Okay. Well, my guest Enzio von File, to quote from him yesterday, said, talking is better than jousting. Anyway, let's move on to, do we think anything coming out of the uh, summit will lead to an improvement in US-China trade and their economies? I guess you're quite doubtful after what you were talking about before, Andrew. Sorry, is, is that, uh, are you asking me? Yes, uh, yes. Andrew, do you, you don't think um, this will have any the, impact? The answer, the answer hmm. is, yeah, the answer is, is uh, no, I don't think anything significant is going to come out. Because let's not only forget, you know, it's, it's, it, is, uh, it is not fair to hit poor Biden with being anti-Chinese. Uh, Trump, uh, nearly eight years ago, started buying positive tariffs, none of which has been removed. Hmm. So, you know, we are not looking at something recent, okay, and uh, something that has happened primarily over microchips and uh, artificial intelligence. This has been going on for quite, quite a while. Okay, so, let, let me uh, Oh, sorry. I said. Yeah, I was just going to ask you, Andrew, sorry. if you imagined it was a scale, the one side of the scale, you've got the pressure of the American people or many of the American people. Um, that seem to have an anti-China perception versus um, the importance of doing right for the U.S. economy. Where do you think the scales would balance? Oh, it would be doing right by the by the U.S. economy, uh, not, okay. not 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 in the slightest. Hey, I remember as uh, uh, Andrew is a very good friend of mine. Uh, President de Gaulle never was, but he famously also said that countries don't have friends; they have interests. Yes, Hebe. Well, yes, I think, as I mentioned, I do see the best wishes that coming from China's side and whether or not the, the U.S. is willing to make that happen. That's one question. Another one thing is that I already see that China has sort of fight back this morning based on the Biden statement, which suggests that they are sort of not trying to losing the ground on this sort of bit of tick for tech competition yet. Um, so I, I doubt that. I, I think I, su I suspect that they would continue to be the main themed in between two of them and the relationship will continue a bit of the tricky for the year ahead. Yeah. What, what came out this morning, I must have missed it. The only thing I heard from President Xi was kind of trying to play it down and quite positive. Uh, mm. what, what are you referring to, Hebe? Yes, I think that Oh, I think his stance this time is actually quite different to what the China's state media says and what their previous strategy plays, as we know that the wolf uh, strategies. But um, I think, as they said, that it's quite, in li quite likely it's because they're facing such a big economy challenges. It's a bit of a force that Xi Jinping to try to play safely and peacefully this time, especially that he's meeting with all these business leaders and yeah. he's saying that he welcomed all the voting emphasis. That's quite a rare to see statements from China. Um, I think that definitely if we're putting on a positive note, if we're trying to play uh, positive, it could potentially opening the door for China to welcome more investments in. But the question is whether or not that all these investors are, could restore the trust and the confidence in China's economy. Okay, let's go closer to home now. I was interested that out of all of the indices we report on, the Hang Seng Index actually had the biggest increase in response to the softer than US, the softer than expected US inflation numbers. It actually increased by four percent. Can you help me understand that, and also give me an overview of where you see the Hang Seng Index going longer term, Hebe? 
Sure. Well, this week is another solar coaster ride for Hansen, as you suggested. We're having the best date on Tuesday, but then it's dropping on Wednesday, uh, Thursday, and uh, we're seeing, as you saying, the future market point down again for today. Well, I think, yes, the U.S. inflation course is definitely a big positive catalyst for the Hansen because the market is now pricing in the early cut as early as next May and June. But what I also seeing is that overall, if you're looking for a long-term view, the Hansen still stay in the quite of a downward uh, tunnels. And uh, if you're looking for to, towards the end of this year, the Hansen will need another 8% to return to its January level and prevent being this fourth straight year of a decline. Um, for a longer term view, I think to make this happen, that we definitely need to see a more substantial and promising measures from Chinese government to support its weakening economy or a real improvement for the property crisis. Uh, but from another term, the better news is the Hansen has reached such a low level, the chance for it yeah. to sort of stabilize in 2024 is also quite likely. Okay. But um, just going back to Hebe, what you were saying um, about the 4% increase. I, I'm just trying to understand why it was much higher than any other indice. I mean, I, I, as far as I know, the Hong Kong indice doesn't have a stronger, well, compared to the other indices, link to um, the US economy. So I, I'm wondering what was driving that. Any guesses yeah. or so ideas? They- Yes. Yeah. So there, there, there was, as you mentioned, there were um, on the Wednesday there was two forces sort of pushing that up. Yeah. One is the US CPI one that because of the uh, much friendly economy uh, monetary policy. On the other hand, on that same day we're having quite a big batch of Chinese economy sort of set it okay. by the market. We have it. Yeah, it. That, that's another. So we have a double forces yeah. to push them up. Mm. Though even the Chinese indices didn't go as much. It was so nice to see that big number, actually, for the Hang Seng Index. I felt very proud to be a Hong Konger. Andrew? Uh, Sorry, I I have a completely different view of that. Yeah, go on. Indexes can go up and down. You Actually, you don't need to try to find a reason. They can actually go up for no reason whatsoever, other than the classical response, which I absolutely Mm. said there were much more buyers than sellers. Okay, can, mm. can we please forget that? The situation in Hong Kong, uh, as far as supporting the movements of the index, and remember macroeconomics and indexes don't move in the same direction at all, okay, there is absolutely no reason to expect that interest rates in the United States are going to be cut, I believe, for the next year. So in other words, Hong Kong stays with exceptionally high interest rates for another minimum 9 to 12 months. Well, that's hardly bullish. Okay, and the second point is, of course, the property sector in Hong Kong has been really tanking. Uh, I think it is the second time in the last 20 years that the government cancelled an auction because nobody turned up. I'm Mm. exaggerating. Okay, there were were no actual bids. Well, you know, I'm I'm a proud Hong Konger myself, but I don't want... uh, to, to insist on bringing a punch ball to a non-existing party in the sense that the economy is not uh, falling off a cliff, it's not going to do badly, but most definitely it's not going to accelerate whilst interest rates stay historically high. And our policy in Hong Kong is determined by Mr. Powell. It's not determined mm. by Mr. Lee. Very simple. Yeah. And um, UBS announced yesterday a forecast for the Hong Kong property market for 2024 of a 10% drop. Is that in line with your thinking, Andrew? Absolutely. Okay. Very much so. I, don't, I, I try not to forecast the Hong Kong property uh, uh, 
too too carefully okay because then again that depends very much what you are looking at but okay my 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 position remains yeah Okay, let's go back to the US. There's been several positive data points out this week. Is the US completely out of the woods in your view? Um, I think some of these things were mentioned earlier, but um, any other thoughts on that, Andrew? Very, again, incredibly simple. Look, yeah. Powell has been very consistent. 2% inflation. Uh, right now in the States, inflation is uh, hovers around the 3%. Okay, now we need inflation to come down to 2% and stay there for absolutely minimum three months before you can actually say it has now stabilized. Powell is quoted saying he just doesn't see inflation down to 2% before year 25. I'll say that wow. very slowly, 2, 5, not 24. So <laughs> I don't try to outguess the Fed, okay? They are not going to change their target because that will be suicidal. They will keep to the 2%. And uh, they have been increasing interest rates for nearly 19 months now. And uh, they have brought down inflation, but not anywhere near where they want it. Okay, remember, let's go. Inflation has to come down to where it is. Let's go to Hebe. We have 15 seconds. Okay. Well, I think I'm, I'm a bit of a pessimistic about the economy now. I feel that um, I think that all, all data pointing to a recession seems to be quite on the cards in 2024. And in that case, they will help the inflation to cooling much faster than expected. I don't think that will happen until 2025. That's just my personal view. So in okay. that case, I do expect that they will cut soon. Well, thank you very much to Andrew and Hebe. I wish you a happy Friday.